Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here with you. Thanks so much for joining us, for spending time with us in worship and celebration of a God who loves us, a God who chases after us, a God who calls us into new life, and a God who sends us into his world to make a difference. If you're new here, I just wanted to say you're welcome here. We're excited that you have chosen to join us today, whether you're online or in person. We're just excited that you are here with us, that together we can grow in relationship and we can be more like Jesus. And we just want you to know uh, that we recognize we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And we want to invite you on a journey with us to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with one another, and to go into the world and share God's love and grace with everyone we come in contact with. We believe that the best is yet to come, that God has in mind for us to be a powerful part of this community. God has in mind for us to build a kingdom that is fit for his son, the king of all creation, and that together we can work on that, that the best truly is yet to come. I think we struggle with that. We can struggle with the idea of of something better than we already know. I have a, a good friend named Mark he had a, an opportunity when he was a little kid to go on vacation. It was a cruise that his parents took him on, and, and he was overwhelmed and excited because of all the stuff they got to do during the day. They would go, uh, and, and the kids would go to like this kid program all day, and the parents were probably like, yes, we have the whole day to ourselves. But they decided every evening they were going to take time and be intentional about dining together. So they would they would. Come come back and they would get a little spiffed up and and then they would go to the dinner together. And and that first night they roll in and Mark sits down and, and mom and dad look at Mark and they say, Mark, you can have anything you want on the menu. You can have anything you want on the menu. And, and Mark's like, anything? Um, you know, I can, I can choose whatever I want. And so he's, he's studying the menu, looking at what it is. And the waitress comes around and starts taking their order. And Mark looks up and he says, I would like a hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk. And, and mom and dad are like, Mark, you, you can have anything. Are you sure that's what you want? And he was like, yes, a hot dog, a hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk. And, and so the, the waitress, you know, brings him his hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk. And then at the end of the meal, you can pick out the dessert you want. And Mark says, I will take a piece of chocolate cake. And so this continues on each and every day. The same, same dinner choice unfolds. A hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk, followed by a piece of chocolate cake. And, and, and Mark's mom and dad are like, hey, Mark, you can have anything. You know, you get hot dogs at home. You can have anything you want. Are you sure that's what you want? Yes. That's what I want. And the last day rolled around and the same conversation unfolded, but they wanted for him to try something different. So they tried making suggestions, but Mark was, was confident in his choice. He, he wanted a hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk. And when the waitress came at the end of the meal and took the plates away, Mark was like, hey, I, 
can I get my chocolate cake, right? He didn't get an opportunity to order his chocolate cake and the waitress turns and winks at him and he says, don't worry, the best is yet to come. And Mark was confused by it. He's like, what do you mean the best is yet to come? I just had a hot dog with ketchup and a glass of milk. That's the best I can imagine unless it's followed by a piece of chocolate cake. And I would like that. But right then the doors in the room open and in walk waiter and waitress after waiter and waitress carrying trays filled with baked Alaska, which is a flaming dessert. It's a dessert that is on fire. And Mark's eyes got about the size of pie plates. And he had no idea that it could be that cool. And they brought the dessert and it was the most amazing dessert he had ever experienced. Now, what's crazy is he could have had that dessert at any time. He just had no concept of it. He could have had anything off of the menu, but the joy that he sought was something simple, something small, something that he could wrap his mind around. And I think far too many of us, that is where we live our lives in the presence of Jesus. We just want a little bit of Jesus sprinkled on our already okay lives. Instead of seeking to allow God to make us new, to make us different, to make us into his creation, to make us into the more perfect person that we can be so that we can serve and seek him. I think we're unprepared for the glorious desserts that God has in mind for us. We, we let the world overwhelm us. We, we struggle with our worries, our finances, our lust. We seek entertainment or fleeting joy. C.S. Lewis says it this way, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. The idea of this worship series the purpose of this series is for us to break out of that, to maybe embrace the idea that the best truly is yet to come, that God has in mind so much more for us, so much more for his kingdom, so much more for this world than, than we even can recognize. The, the hope that I have is that we would understand the glorious truth of God's love for us. And that we would fully live into hope we have in God's kingdom alive in this moment. And to boldly seek to do the will of God regardless of the consequences. And so in order for us to, to get to that place, we need to understand what it is that Jesus is offering. What, does Christ, what is the offer that God has in mind for us? What does Christ offer to us so that we can lean into this, so that we can allow God to make us different, so that we can be different because of Jesus' love and grace? And, and, and he offers several things, just a few of them. Justification from sin, not forgiveness, 
but justification that our sin was paid for. He offers us new life, not the same old life, not a little bit of Jesus in our good life, but a brand new life in Jesus. He offers us adoption, not just being invited to come visit the kingdom of God, but being adopted into the family of God. And he offers us resurrection, being remade, reborn, even after death, that we will be raised from the dead, and then we will be a part of God's kingdom forever. This is the hope that that we have in Jesus Christ, that all of these things are what we embrace and, and lean into and live for. And the reason that I think this is so important is because we need to understand that how we perceive God, what we think about the future that God has in mind for us dictates how we live. The way that we understand God's future uh, for the world and his plan and purpose helps us to understand how we should live in it. The way that we say this in seminary is our eschatology, our understanding of the end times is, dictates our theology or the way that we live our lives. What we think about the end dictates how we live. If we believe that the world is a bad and broken place and that there's nothing that can be done for it. It's just evil and wicked and that when we die, God is going to whisk us away to heaven and there is no other purpose than the only hope we have to share God's love and grace is to tell other people about Jesus. That's, that's really the ultimate thing because the world is so bad, bad, so corrupt that we have no other purpose purpose. We have no other option. But if we believe that the world is God's redemption plan, that God is redeeming the world and the people in it, that God is breaking down the barriers of sin and death, not just for human beings, but for all of creation in, an, in a desire to remake it, to make it better, that changes our perspective because then we have some work to do. God didn't come to take us away so that we can go and, and become you know, spiritual beings. God came to be with us. And then he offers resurrection to us. And the new creation is a place where heaven and earth come together. The new creation starts with resurrection. Uh, Paul talks about this in his letter to the Corinthians. He, he wants us to understand first and foremost uh, what the scripture said and what happened. And he says this, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Christ died. He physically died, and then he physically was raised. Resurrection is not coming back as a spirit. Jesus, after the resurrection, ate with his disciples, was present with his disciples. They put their hands in his wounds he was dead and buried, but resurrected, physically changed and different, 
but raised from the dead as a physical being. Paul continues, but Christ has indeed, indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who had fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, when he comes, those who belong to him, then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. Paul's idea, Paul's understanding is resurrection. That Paul says Jesus is going to come back and and Jesus is going to invite us to, to come to life in him. Paul isn't saying that the creation is going to be destroyed. He's saying that dominion and power and authority that opposes God is going to be destroyed, but that the kingdom that we are building is the kingdom that God will inhabit. Creation isn't destroyed, it's redeemed. And and sin and death, which were ushered in through Adam, are no more because life and resurrection are ushered in through Jesus. And so the question is, what are we resurrected into? If we are raised from the dead, if the, the future that God has in mind for us is resurrection, physical beings, what are we resurrected into? If, if we're not whisked away to the pearly gates to sit on clouds and play harps all day, what is it? What's the picture that the Bible reveals to us about what is to come? And I think in order to, to go there, we have to, we have to back up. We have to start at the beginning. And so in Genesis, we see this. This is how creation, the, the pinnacle of creation was the Garden of Eden. It says this, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, A river watering the garden flowed from Eden. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. In the beginning, God created a garden Uh, And he placed man in the garden. And the garden was where heaven and earth intersected. It was where God dwelled right alongside mankind. and, and, And the purpose was so that God could be with his creation. And then Adam's brokenness, Adam's sin entered in and separated us from God. And so the new creation is all about restoring that. It says this in the book of Revelation, which is a vision that was given to John while he was in prison in Patmos. He says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed 
for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and he, God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away the new creation is a redemption of creation, not the destruction, but a redemption that God is remaking creation, that, that the old order, the brokenness, the sin, the death has passed away. But in the new Jerusalem, in the new city of God, we will dwell in the presence of God, just like it was in the garden. But it goes on, it continues, it says this, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, the same river that watered through the, through the, the garden, the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river, get this, stood the tree of life. The last time we saw that was in Genesis, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every, every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, for the restoration of creation, so that God and man can dwell together at the same time in the same place. We are a people between two gardens. We are a people that are expecting God's return and expecting God's new creation, expecting no longer to be bound to sin and death, but instead to be freed and liberated for all time. No more tears, no more crying, because we are in the new garden, the new creation, a place where heaven and earth are intertwined and intersect, a place where God dwells with us. The best is yet to come. The, the struggle we have is that the kingdom has already been initiated, but it has not come in its fullness. Jesus started the inbreaking of God's kingdom, but it hasn't come in its finality. God hasn't returned yet and made all things new. Instead, we are in between gardens. We are in between the breaking, inbreaking of the kingdom and the fullness of the kingdom. Picture it like this. There was a king, David, who was king of Israel, anointed by God's prophet, called king by God, Yet he was not truly the king of Israel because another had been anointed and enthroned in Israel, a guy named Saul. So David, a little boy, is, is called king by God, but Saul is actually king. David was king, but not yet king. And, and so what, what did he do? What did David do? Did David sit back and go, well, I guess I'll just wait until God says, okay, it's time. No, David was active. 
David was, was proactive. He was preparing for his time. He built a group of people. He led campaigns. He sought to build up Israel from his, its enemies. David was preparing for the time when he was in charge. And the same is true for us. We can learn from David. We can recognize that we have work to do, that, that we can prepare, we can be proactive in the building of God's kingdom right here and right now. We can recognize that God is calling us into something greater, that the kingdom of God is available to us, and that we can live for the building of the kingdom of God, not so that we sit idly by, waiting for this desire to go and be spirit and float away and live in the clouds, but instead to recognize that God is calling us to action right now in his kingdom-building efforts, which will echo into eternity. What it looks like, we have no full idea, but the hope that we have is that in the presence of God, that we will make a difference for the kingdom of God in the world in which we live right here and right now, that we can get our handprints all over the building blocks of God's kingdom, that our efforts, our desires lead to a better world, just as they already have for those that came before us, that we can step up and be a part of God's kingdom. We need to recognize that God's kingdom-building work is here, now, it's in this place. And, and if that's true, then you have work to do. Not to, to just sit there and wait, but to be a part of what God is imagining, what God is encouraging, what God is calling you to. God has a purpose for you. Not to sit idly by, not to just wait until the end of all things, but instead to live boldly because God wants you to be actively involved. God wants you to be a part of the kingdom building that he is working on. God wants you to be a part of the kingdom building activity the loving of people, the sharing of grace, the building up of hope, but even more for standing in the gap for those that are being mistreated, for standing in the gap of those that aren't being uh, fairly treated, for those that are struggling, that are outside on the margins of society, for the people that Jesus came and loved so much. God is calling us to something better, and friends, the truth of the matter is the best is yet to come. That God's kingdom ushered in is not in its fullness, but that we are invited to make it better each and every day. That we can play a part. We have a role and we have a job to do right here in this moment. God has called us to be better. So let's recognize that truly the best is yet to come and that we can be a part of it. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for the gift we have in Jesus, for the hope that you offer to us, 
for the life that you pour out upon us and for the calling that we have to live into your kingdom building activity. God, pour your Holy Spirit out upon us. Don't let us sit idly by, but encourage us, empower us, spur us on in whatever way you need to so that we can be active. We can be proactive in the building of your kingdom, that we can be a part of what you're doing, that we can make a difference in this moment and in all moments to come for your kingdom. Let us be inspired. Let us be encouraged and let us get to work. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.